0: Good morning. We'd like to welcome you here to worship our God and Savior together. Please stand and join us as we sing. When we see you, we find strength to face. so
1: today as the overcomer, as the great king of all, and we ask, Father, that in your mercy and grace, that you will speak deeply into our souls today as we worship, fill our hearts and our minds with all that you are, and we ask this through Christ, amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship before you're seated. Welcome to uh, worship service today, good to see you and uh, I want to uh, bring your attention to the things happening this week. It's a very special week in the life of this church and the church universal. Uh, You'll notice there's an insert in your bulletin with a schedule of the week's activities. And just note that Wednesday, uh, it says there are no activities, junior high youth are meeting Wednesday night, right? Okay, Uh, but children's ministries, the adult prayer group will not be meeting this week. Thursday evening is uh, Thursday's Monday Thursday, and we'll have our annual service that night, seven o'clock. This is a very powerful time, both of of word, of singing, and of symbol. And uh, we will be practicing some of the ancient traditions as uh, we gather on this night and uh, commemorate the night that Jesus is arrested and uh, his trial begins. Then Friday is Good Friday, and this year we're doing something different. We are uh, hosting an event in the gym, A Journey to the Cross. And uh, this is an event where you can come and go at any time between the hours of 10 in the morning and 6 in the evening. And uh, you can uh, walk through uh, 10 destinations that uh, bring before us the events surrounding uh, the cross and uh, the, uh, the things that Jesus endured, the things that took place during that time. You can spend as little or as much time doing it. You can, probably, you can probably walk through it in 10 or 15 minutes or even less if you wanted to. You can stay longer and there will be places for you to sit, to meditate, uh, to just experience it as you want. There will be people here at the church also if you have some questions or you know, just some explanations. But just a lot of, of symbols, images, and um, some interactive things that will uh, help us to engage ourselves a little bit more with what Christ went through and the events uh, of the cross. And then next Sunday is Easter, a great celebration. And please note the completely different schedule for Easter morning. We'll begin our services at 745 here. And uh, this will be a celebration time, and that will include uh, the baptism of about 10 people. So we're excited about that. At 745, at 830, we will meet up at the Campus Center in the, in the dining hall for breakfast. And then at 10 o'clock, we'll be back here for our uh, Easter worship service. So we hope you'll be a, a part of uh, the gathering uh, on Easter and also the events of uh, this week. I also want to mention that I am going to be hosting another membership class, and if you're interested in being a part of that, I'm going to try to do that this week. So if you're interested, let me know this morning. There are a number of prayer concerns that are in the bulletin, and a number of people that uh, ongoing prayers for situations in the world. And I also want to mention that uh, Meredith Kellogg, who uh, was a long-time uh, resident and member here, uh, died on Friday of this week after a uh, lengthy illness. And his service will be tomorrow at noon here at the church, and the visitation will be at 11, an hour before the service. So to remind you of that, Meredith Kellogg's service tomorrow at noon with visitation an hour before that. At this time, we'll ask the ushers to come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Children ages 2 to 5 may be dismissed for Children's Church.
2: Hope
0: is here. Shout the news to everyone. It's a new day. Peace has come. Jesus saves. Mercy triumphs at the cross. Love has come to rescue us. Jesus saves.
2: Jesus
1: saves. As we pray together, if you'd like to use the altar as your place of prayer, I invite you to join me. Eternal God, we come before you today with a mixture of feelings and from the, from the events of this week and in a heart of confession and realizing how much we need you in our lives. We hear about the sufferings of Jesus and yet we are so often resistant to any hardship in our lives. We set high expectations for others and then resist them for ourselves. We clamor for attention to our needs but are often unfeeling toward the needs of others in our world. We are often lenient with our own faults and severe with the faults of others. We are so often quick to speak and slow to listen. We often judge outward appearances before discovering the character that is within others. Father, forgive us. We ask that you will continue to be patient with us. And we ask that you will continue to shape us to look more and more like Christ because we are filled with the Spirit of Christ. Father, we pray today not only for ourselves, but for others who are in need. We pray for people who are suffering with difficulties of body and mind and spirit. And we ask that in your grace, in your power, that you would heal them. We pray for all who are grieving today. Whether the grief is is recent or more in the distant past. We pray, Father, that you would minister in your, through your spirit in our grief and pain and loss. Father, we pray for your grace in the disappointments of life that come to us. And we pray for your wisdom in the decisions of life that face us. Father, we pray for this world. We pray for your grace to be at work in our world. Help us to see you and to hear you and to know you. We pray, Father, for nations that are in turmoil. We pray for places where there is oppression. People do not live in freedom. We pray for about so many places of the world where your children do not have adequate water or food or safety. And Lord, we ask that you will work miraculously and we pray that you will burden our hearts more and more to be catalysts, to bring about the change, to bring about good and grace justice and mercy in our world Father as we enter into this holy week this week when we commemorate the significant events in the life of Jesus stir us anew about discipleship and love and compassion open our hearts and our minds to all that you desire to do in us and through us. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for answering them in the way that you know is best. And we pray all of this through our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: is your hour when Please stand as we sing Jesus friend of sin
1: you that you have called us to be your children and you've done so much for us we pray today that you will draw us closer and more more and more into the reality of the cross we ask this through Christ Jesus Amen thank you please be seated Sometimes it seems as though the world is defined by darkness. We we read things, we see things, we hear stories, and and it feels as though everything that happens is is being controlled and and run and, and comes back to darkness running rampant in our world. You know, we we know we we see it all the time and read about it of of stories of of abuse and and stories of injustice and stories of of the powerful taking advantage of the weak and and the rich the poor and 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 the people have clout using that to get what they want and ignoring the people who don't have any you you think about things like the, uh, the demographics of people who are sitting on death row in our prisons. The great, great majority of them are African-American, poor, people who don't have the funds to hire the kind of lawyers that, that uh, can get you off or at least get you uh, a better result. The, the class structure of society is, is so skewed, and, and we see it in this country, and, and we see it around the world. People who have power, people who have wealth, people who have clout, get things done, get things that they want. And, and, and we sit back and we think, man, it's just, it's, it, it seems to be the only way the world operates, I don't know if you saw it or not, but in the, there was an article in the Buffalo News this week about uh, a, a law that uh, Representative Louise Slaughter has been fighting to pass for six years. And she's, a, she's from Buffalo. And this law is now finally passed, even though it was a watered-down version. But this law now makes it illegal for members of, of Congress or their staff or their families or people who are connected to them... It makes it illegal for them to make money in the stock market off of their inside information that they have because of their position in the government. And I read that and I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. They can do that? And and it took six years to pass a watered-down version of that law? Wow. Something isn't right here. And and we see this all over the, the world. And, and, and you, you hear enough stories and, and you read enough stories and, and you encounter enough people who are dealing with all of these things. And, and, you, and you, if you stop and think about it, it's overwhelming. And it feels as though our world is just defined by, by the powers of darkness, the powers of, of, the, of the evil one and, and the enemy. But we all know that this is not a new thing. You know, the power of darkness has been, uh, been controlling so much of the world for centuries. The scriptures tell us that over and over again. When you look back into the Old Testament, the psalmist says, The land is full of darkness and violence. And another, darkness is my closest friend. And the prophet Isaiah says, So there's no justice among us, and we know nothing about right living. We look for light, but we find only darkness. And when we come to to this night that Jesus is in the garden with his disciples, we see it in its full weight and power. And Jesus says to, to these people who come to arrest him, this is your hour. The time when darkness reigns. That's a pretty scary thought. This is the time when darkness reigns, when the power of darkness is unleashed when, when the when darkness has the ability to do whatever it wants to do, even to take the holy Son of God and put him on a cross. this is your time that's a phrase that that's used often in, in our in our culture it's used, you you hear it used in in politics you hear it used in sports you hear it used in in people who are involved in social causes now is our time this is our moment and and by that they mean we've been waiting we've been we've been just biding our time we're holding back but now the moment has arrived where we are going to get what we want we are going to accomplish what we've been hoping to accomplish we are going to gain what we've been trying to get this is our moment this is our time and the and the enemies of jesus declare this is our time. And what's so fascinating is Jesus says, You're right, it is. This is your time. This is the moment when darkness reigns, when the evil one's power is unleashed, and the only one who is holy is taken to the cross. Now, Jesus makes that statement in the context of them coming to arrest him. And, and you, you sense in, in this statement that the, the secrecy that almost always accompanies darkness. Darkness loves to operate in secrecy. Jesus says to them, yeah, I was in the temple courts all the time. And, and now you, you come with this mob to arrest me? You know, you, you, this mob is sort of like you're in your house and all of a sudden you hear choppers and you hear sirens and you look out the window and your place is surrounded by the FBI, the CIA, Homeland Security, and Army Rangers are dropping out of helicopters. And they're just coming to get you. And, and that's as Jesus is saying, you know, really, a good state trooper would have been plenty. That, that's all you would have needed. I was in the temple every day this week. I was worshiping. I was teaching. So why now? Because darkness loves secrecy. Darkness loves to hide in the shadows. Now you might think, and as you ponder this, they might want to do a show of force in the temple. Drag Jesus out of there and say to the people in essence, look, you oppose us, this is what happens to you. But that... Tends to make people want to rise up and riot. When things happen in secrecy, in darkness, it sort of slips past us. I mean, most of the things that, that happen in our world, that the, the power of darkness takes place in ways that we don't even realize until it's already happened. And and, and it's already gotten a foothold and a stranglehold. Darkness loves the secrecy. And there's something about secrecy that makes us feel helpless, even hopeless. And, and it's that sense that the darkness can work its its evil desires, like tentacles moving forward. And, and we don't even realize it until it's got us around the throat. And we feel helpless about it. I was reading recently... Uh, I got onto a website about, I was talking about the civil rights movement in America in the 50s and 60s. And this particular site was listed in, in in photographs and in descriptions. All of the people who who died during the civil rights movement, they were all murdered in one form or another in different places. And what struck me was that of course the majority of them were were black and but it was the stories about them and and over and over again the, the story went something like this with variations this person was murdered in cold blood in front of 20 15 30 witnesses and what was so so agonizing about it was that at the end of almost every one of those descriptions were the words, no charges filed. No charges filed. No charges filed. No charges filed. It's a wonder there wasn't more rioting, more of an uprising. But it's just such a sense of helplessness. What can we do? and a sense of hopelessness that will ever change that it will ever be different and that's what darkness does that's what the evil one wants to do in our world to cause us just to give up and to feel hopeless and to feel helpless about it that's the, that's the goal of darkness to so drive us down and to have to feel like the power of darkness is so great that there's nothing absolutely nothing we can do now we want to do something If we care at all, we want to do something. We want to engage and and, and try to overcome the darkness and and try to, in some way, bring about a change in the darkness. And and we have a tendency to to become so upset about the darkness that we just react. And we want to fight the darkness. And there is good to that. It's good to be upset about the darkness. And it's good to want to do something about it. For a long time, I, I always thought that it, trying to engage in, in, in politics or, or in any kind of structural way to, to change the darkness in our world was a waste of time, that sense of hopelessness. But I have come to see that there is a place for that. There is a place for advocacy. There is a place for being a voice for people who are voiceless. Voiceless. There is a place for being a face for people who are faceless. There is a place for for trying to to do something for people who feel completely powerless. Of course, as we talked last week, often our, our designs on trying to change things are more about trying to help us than they are about helping other people. And, and that's one of our problems. But even when our desire is to engage with other people, it, it is it is important, and and there's a place for that. But it is it is a dangerous place also, because the minute we start wanting to engage in 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 trying to change the world through politics and power, as as helpful as that can be, and and as necessary as that is, we have to be so careful because. All of a sudden, we realize that we are now trying to oppose the darkness by using the tools of the darkness, and in our reaction, and, and, and in our desires to want to to crush the darkness, we are tempted to use the same strategies as the darkness. And how do you know when when you've fallen in, when you've succumbed to that trap? When being right is more important than doing right. When winning is more important than the means to getting to the end. When the end is more important than the means. When a cause is more important than people. When we find ourselves in those places then we have, to, we have to realize that we are trying to fight the darkness in our own power and in our own way. And sometimes we can become so obsessed with the darkness and so obsessed with defeating the darkness that before we know it, we are more concerned about the darkness than we are about people and about the light. We want to be light in the midst of darkness. That's our calling, to be light in the midst of darkness. Paul writes to the Ephesians and says, Be children of light. And, but he also says, We are children of light by gentleness and righteousness and goodness and truth. If we really want to be people who make a difference about the darkness if we care about, about doing something, about bringing light into the darkness, it's not fighting the darkness in our own way and in our own power, but it's doing what Jesus did. I think the, the, the answer to this is, comes as Jesus hangs on the cross. The gospel writers tell us that, that Jesus speaks just a few words as he hangs on the cross. Luke tells us that in chapter 23, that at verse 44, it says a darkness comes over the whole earth. For the three hours that Jesus hangs on the cross, there's darkness. And as that darkness comes to an end, as those three hours move to their conclusion, Jesus speaks his last words, and it's a prayer. He says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. If we're, going to have, if we're going to have any, any chance of, of bringing light to the darkness, it will be only as we make that prayer our prayer. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Father, I trust you. I trust your way. I trust your light. I trust your power. And I surrender all that I want to you. And we commit ourselves to the power of God. We trust that the power of God is greater than the power of darkness. Now you'll notice that Jesus says, this is the hour when darkness reigns. There is, uh, there is a time frame to that statement. This is the moment when darkness reigns. He's not saying darkness now has all the power and that's it. He says, in this moment, darkness reigns, but that darkness is going to come to an end. Isaiah begins the ninth chapter of his prophecy by saying, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that light is Jesus. And somehow, we have to come to see that the cross as is, is not just the place and, and the moment of darkness, but it is also the place and the moment where the light begins to shine. And the darkness is defeated through the power of Christ who goes to the cross. Richard John Newhouse, in his book, Death on a Friday Afternoon, says that every night when he, when he, he lies in bed and prepares to go to sleep... He praised this prayer from Jesus from the cross. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What if every night, the last words, the last thoughts in our mind were, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And every morning, the first words, the first thoughts, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. As we're beginning a, a meeting, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As we begin a conversation, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As we encounter difficulties and problems and struggles, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As we encounter the darkness of this world, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that prayer becomes the prayer that's on our lips as we begin and end and live everything that happens in our lives. What would that do to the way we view the things we encounter, the struggles, the darkness, the difficulties of this world and this life? The problem that that we wrestle with is that we want to we want to reveal the light without surrendering to the father. There's something in us that believes that we can shine the light. We can be children of the light in our own power. But the reality is the only light in us is the light of Jesus. And the light that may shine out of us isn't really us. It's Christ shining through us. We're just prisms. Which is why we have to commit ourselves to trusting the Father. And believing that the way of the Father is always right. And we we commit ourselves to to the, the plans of the Father and the ways of the Father and the designs of the Father. And even when we don't understand the Father's plan, just as I'm sure the disciples did not understand what in the world was happening with God's great plan as they watched Jesus go to the cross, we don't always understand it, but we trust And even though the darkness doesn't always respond the way we want it to, we trust. Because we believe that the power of the Father is far greater than the power of darkness. And we have committed ourselves to trust the Father into his hands we commit our spirit Newhouse says that that the cross is both a sign of utter defeat and a sign of indomitable hope and as we prepare to come to this table this morning the same is true This table is the sign of of the utter defeat. And it's the sign of indomitable hope. When we eat and drink, we do so with deep sorrow and pain for for what darkness did with Christ and what darkness has done through the ages and what darkness is doing now in our world. But we also eat and drink in a spirit of hope. Because we know that the Father is greater. That the light penetrates the darkness. That we can trust the one who went to the cross. We don't want to rush ahead to Easter. It's important for us to to understand the fullness of, of all that the cross means and the reality of darkness in our world... But we know that Easter is coming. And we know that that the pain and the death and the agony of the cross is not the end of the story. And as we come to this table, we eat and drink because we understand that truth. Years ago, Michael Card wrote a song that just stuck in my mind. And it begins with these words. On a gray April morning, as a chilling wind blew, a thousand dark promises were about to come true. As Satan stood trembling... Knowing now he had lost as the Lamb took his first steps on the way to the cross. Sometimes it seems as though darkness reigns and there's no hope. And then we look at the cross. And we hear Jesus committing himself to the Father and calling us to do the same because despite the power of darkness, God is greater. Father, into your hands, we commit our spirits. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross we know the reality of darkness in this world and we want to do everything in our power to overcome the darkness and and to be catalyst for light in this world But Father we know that that simply cannot happen Until we surrender ourselves to you. Give us grace to do just that. That your light would shine in us and through us. Father, as we come to this table today, we pray that you will pour out your divine and abundant blessing upon the bread and the cup father we ask that this will be food to our souls and that we will that we will sense and embrace the sorrow and the pain and the death of christ and that we will embrace the joy and the hope That is ours in Christ. Father, let our hearts be open to you, surrender to you, and give us grace to be light in the midst of darkness through our Savior. Jesus Christ, amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And on the same night he took the cup And again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to receive communion this morning by the mode of intinction, means to dip in. As you're released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup and eat it. And then you may return to your seat by the outside aisles. The altar is always open if you would like to stay and pray. If walking to the front is difficult for you or if you simply prefer, we have a tray and we are happy to serve you in your seat to simply let the usher know as your row is released. I always like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. You don't have to be a member here. It might be the first time you've worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to Christ and with a desire in your heart to know Christ, to surrender to Christ and to be his light in this world. And come, receive these gifts in the loving, gracious hand of our Heavenly Father.
3: I my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for sins that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. makes Pity, grace unknown, and
0: love beyond degree. My God, why would you shed your blood so pure and undefiled? To make a sinful one like me Your chosen
3: precious child Well might the sun in darkness hide And shut his glory in When Christ am I Thank